All right, here we go. Another message to Minion Sonship Live. Welcome, everyone. We're continuing the theme that we started last week, which was to stand fast and hold fast to the truth of the Word of God. And that we are living in the last days. And in the last days, we're recognizing that we are to be discernful of the times. We're to know the hour that we're living at and that certain things that are going on are part of God's calendar. We're not to survey the natural circumstance of life, but we're to survey the supernatural word of God and that the supernatural word of God has already determined our seasons and our time. So we can rest assured that we will always come on top. And so today's title is Stay on Top. Today's title is Stay on Top because we also have taught over the many months now that we do have an agency, that it's not all up to God to do, but we have to engage through the spirit of faith, by the Holy Spirit, the word of God, so that we will be able to withstand our opposition to truth, to be able to overcome all lies, to be able to to be able to triumph over all things mightily in his name. So let's go to where we started last week, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 and 2. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand. I love the new living in that particular verse in which you stand and it is you welcomed it you you welcomed the gospel you welcomed the message Paul is telling that I have preached to you Corinthians you welcomed it and you still stand firm in it you're still standing strong in it verse 2 by which also you are saved by this message that he's preaching the gospel of our salvation by this message we are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. And so here we see that the word that's being preached to us, the word that even when we read Paul's epistles, when we read the word of God, the Holy Ghost is preaching to us this word of truth that is bringing forth a strength to withstand all, but we are to be fully engaged with truth. We are to never let go, nor depart, nor veer off of this path of the one way of Jesus, that he is the way, he is the truth, he is our life. And there's no other way, there's no other truth, and there's no other life. And so the path of the Christian is the narrow, the narrow way. It is the, that you come in through the narrow gate. You come in through the gate of Jesus, solely through Jesus, Jesus alone, that only through him is there a life. And once you enter through that gate, through that sheep pen, the, the gate of the sheep pen, there is the shepherd, the overseer of our soul, who is keeping us daily. But we are to hold fast that word which was preached to us unless we have believed in vain. The new living of that verse is, it is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message that I told you. Unless, of course, 
you believe something that was never true in the first place. I love the Amplified, and I read this verse from the Amplified last week, so I'll just reread it again. 15.1. Now, brothers and sisters, let me remind you once again of the good news of salvation, which I preached to you, which you welcomed and accepted, and on which you stand by faith. By this faith, you are saved. By this faith, by hearing the message of truth being preached, faith is coming and, and you are saved by this faith now, which is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed and set apart for his purpose. If you hold firmly to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And here's the qualifier, just superficially just as a, in a passing by motion, just checking in once in a while and without complete commitment, without a full entrusting yourself to the word of God. And so last week then from there we went to Galatians 5, 1. And we're going to look at that as well. Galatians 5, 1. Paul again to the Galatians this time. Stand fast, therefore. Stand fast, therefore, still keep standing. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which in the liberty, in the liberty of the work of the Spirit, because we know where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Holy Spirit is, there is liberty. And so we are to constantly be abiding in the workings of the Spirit. The liberty to the believer is not the works of flesh, which is bondage, which is enslaving, but is the liberty of the movement of the Spirit. It is the liberty for us to hear the unction of the Holy Ghost. It is the liberty by which we hear the spirit of adoption that is causing us to cry out, Abba, Father, to know that we are the sons of the living God now. It is this liberty that we are to continue to stand in the love of God. The liberty to the believers knowing I am loved. That the spirit, that the spirit leads us into the truth that God is love. And so we stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. The um, New Living says, so Christ has truly set us free. I believe the ESV stated it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now make sure you ensure, you check on yourself, you make Sure that you stay free. Stay free how? Not, not in anarchy. Not in the ways of what the world calls freedom. Because that is total slavery to sin. But stay free in your redemption. Stay free in this deliverance that sin has no longer dominion over you. Sin, your carnal man has no longer dominion over you. And this is the freedom. The freedom is to do the will of God, which is by the Spirit. Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law of do's and don'ts, of checking off boxes. I feel pretty good today because I think I did everything just right. 
I feel really good today because I checked all my little boxes today. Now the liberty of the spirit is the sons of God are led by this liberty. And as you're led, every single box will be checked off. You don't have to check it off. The Holy Ghost is making sure that your life reflects the perfection of Christ, of the one that now lives in you. And you be conformed, you're being conformed into this image of liberty, into this image of love, into this image of trusting your heavenly Father. And so I looked a few more verses last week and we went into the book of Daniel. So we're going to start there where we finished last week because Daniel is is, is an example of one that, w- that withstood the pressure of the world. The one that was given a lofty position in a worldly system and yet refused to bow the knee to the oppressor and yet refused to bow the knee even to the king and yet refused to bow the knee to the delicacies of the world, refused to bow the knee to the drink that's in the world, the false wine of the world. Daniel withstood and kept himself pure. Why? Because he found himself in the word of God. He never departed the truth of the word. Daniel sought the word. Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel, in his prayer moments, God called him beloved. Daniel had a revelation of being loved. And he abided in the liberty of the spirit, we can say. And so the worldly law could not touch him. It had to submit to the king of Daniel, who is God. God was the king of Daniel. So much so was God the king of Daniel. That that devout heart of Daniel to his king, God, made the worldly king bow the knee to the heavenly king. And this is what we are about. And that does not happen just because. There are places that you walk before God in purity of heart. There are places that you abide in the truth of the word of God. There is a moment in prayer that you have that you cannot just bypass and look like the world and come out of the fire untouched. Or in Daniel's case, coming out of the lion's den unharmed. So when we talk about the liberty of the spirit, we recognize what Paul is saying. Continue in it. Stand fast in it. Be found still in that truth that is saving your soul today. Transforming your mind. Renewing your mind to recognize who you are and who your God is. No matter the giants in the land, they are falling. They are falling. Everything is subject to change, and the change agent, it's your fate. The change agent, it is your fate. It is your trust in the word of God. And so let's go. We read uh, Daniel 1, the first few verses. We go over them again today. So Daniel 1, 1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now we know that the prophets spoke to the kings of Judah and warned them to repent, to turn back to God, to turn away from idolatry. And they refused and they refused and they kept worshiping idols. They kept bowing the knee and going to the high places and sacrificing to demons and, 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 and bows. And, and, and so the word of the God came to pass. The word of the Lord came to pass and they were besieged. 
and they were taken out and, and Jerusalem was destroyed. What a difficult moment. And the Lord gave Joachim, king of Judah, into the hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. That is Nebuchadnezzar. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. And then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Fine men. Young men in whom there was no blemish. They were handpicked. Handpicked. And well, they really, they were ultimately handpicked by God to be preserved in a worldly kingdom. Handpicked by God. First, we preserved in a worldly moment right now. We're handpicked by God. We're God's chosen ones. We're God's beloved ones. We are the nobles in the land. Without blemish in the sight of God, above reproach in the sight of God because of the blood of Christ. We are the ones in whom there was no blemish. Good looking. Good looking. That's us. Good looking. Yeah. Gifted in all wisdom. That's us. We have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit now. Possessing knowledge and quick to understand. We have the understanding of the Spirit. Who had the ability to serve in the king's palace. Who knew how to bow the knee in service to another. Not arrogant, not prideful. And whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them. What did the king, the worldly king appoint? Daily portion of the king's delicacies. There was some programming that was going on. And of the wine which he drank. And three years of training for them. So that at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. So they were qualified to serve in the world system. But look at this. No fear of man in these fine young men. No fear of the wrath of the king in these fine men. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names, gave them worldly names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abed, Abednego. But Daniel... But Daniel, this is what we do in this hour. This is the, the stand firm and hold on to the word of truth. Daniel purpose in his heart. You have to have a purpose in your heart. That you not defile yourself before your living God. That you not partake of, of worldliness and be tarnished by the ways of the world. To partake of the drink and the debauchery of the world and still call yourself a Christian. This is the hour where we have purposed in our heart that we will not defile ourselves with a portion of the king's delicacies. We're not going to do as the world does, nor with the one which he drank. Therefore, he made a request. You see, the request comes from a persuasion. You have to have the persuasion. If God before me, who can be against me? God, the lover of my soul, has called me for this moment. And if I step out to honor him, he'll back me up. He'll back me up. Did God back up Daniel? 
Look at the request he makes. The request he makes is against the decree of the king. The request he makes is, is, could potentially cost his life and the life of the one that's supervising them. This is like an Esther moment. We are in an Esther moment right now. The body of Christ, we are in an Esther moment and we have to purpose in our heart whose we are and whom we bow the knee to and whom we serve with our minds, with our hearts, with our vessels. Who do we honor above all? The king of glory is whom we honor. He made a request of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. He didn't go in arrogance, but made a request because he was one of those who knew how to serve with understanding. And so Daniel requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Verse 9, now God, now God, look at this, had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. You trust the favor of God. You are a child of God and you are already favored. Prayer this morning, the Lord spoke to me regarding the body of Christ that we are marked. We are marked with light. So we don't need other markings. We don't need to institute other markings. We have already been marked by light and in light. We are now the very light of the world. And what God said, because we are light and marked with his light, he, Christ in me, the hope of glory, the very beacon of hope and life to the world, that wherever I go, I mark the moment for God. I mark the situation by God for God. I don't allow the world to mark me. I mark the world for God. Now that is what Daniel did. He made a mark to that, on that kingdom. Not only on Nebuchadnezzar, but even to Darius. Whatever he did, and wh whatever he did, and whatever he served, he made a mark for God because he refused to compromise in his heart his position with God. The purity of his heart. And so God gave him favor. Verse 10, and the chief of the eunuch said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king. Who had appointed your food and drink, he feared Nebuchadnezzar. For why should, this is the, the chief of the eunuchs feared Nebuchadnezzar, for why should he see your face looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. The man is afraid for his life, and yet God is moving. It would override that fear in that man's heart. So when you step out, in God, knowing that God has called you in this moment, that you in an Esther moment, you in a Daniel moment, you speak boldly for the cause of Christ and you trust the Holy Ghost. The words are given to you at that moment and that favor is working in the hearer's heart to affect their heart to hear you favorably. And overriding the fear of the world Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Just 10 days. Give us just 10 days. Let them give us vegetables and eat water, to, uh, vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you. See, the things of God always make you look good. 
the instruction of God always makes you look good. You don't have to partake of the world's way to look good. You don't have to go into debauchery to make yourself shine in the world. That's tarnishing. Daniel, what wisdom God gave him. Give us 10 days. And we're going to eat that which I believe God has prescribed. Vegetables and drink water for 10 days. Let our appearance be tested and examined before you. Of the young men who eat the portion and, and match with those of the, the, that eat the king's delicacies. And then so deal with your servant. Verse 14. So he consented, the, the chief eunuch consented with them in this matter and tested them in 10 days. What happened in 10 days? It happened exactly what Daniel knew was going to happen. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh. The glory of the Lord was seen on them. Then all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies, thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. What if Daniel cowered? So, well, you know, he's the king. I bow the knee to the king. Then I'm going to do as the king says. And God knows my heart. God knows I'm stuck here. It's God's fault anyway. No, he did not compromise his position with God. And and then verse 17, as for these four young men, because they didn't compromise, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And then we know what happened. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He's got a dream. And then he makes a very difficult request to all the magicians, all the occultists, all the clairvoyances that he made a request. He says, I'm not going to tell you the dream. You come tell me what my dream was about. And what did the this astrologers and the Chaldeans say? Well, it's a very difficult thing you're telling us to do now. You've got to give us the dream and then we're going to interpret. No, the king said, no, you tell me what I dreamt and, and give me interpretation. And so what happened? Um, Daniel heard of it. And look at verse 14, chapter 2. This is the wisdom of God movement. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Ariok, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon because the decree is if if this dream is not given to the king every wise man is killed you know wise anymore if you can't do this for the king and so with great wisdom Daniel went and approached this captain of the king's guard and inquired what was going on and so Daniel what he do he went met with his other three buddies and they prayed in verse 18 that they might seek mercies from God of heaven concerning the secret you go pray you go pray. You don't go cower and make a phone call with your friend. Did you hear they're about to kill us? We're going down. We're going down. You better write your will. No, Daniel said, no, give me a moment. I'm going to go meet with my friends. I'm going to pray. And what did God do from there? Wisdom was granted. God revealed the secrets. And so... In verse 27, Daniel comes to the presence of the king and says, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. They're, the demons are deaf and they're dumb. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. You dream and the visions of your hand of your head upon your bed where were these? And then he explains what the dream was. 
And so what happens from, from that moment? How was the king impacted? How was the king impacted? He bowed the knee to God. He bowed the knee to God. So here in, in chapter 246, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal, since you could reveal the secret. And the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. And so also Daniel petitioned the king on behalf of his friends. But that's not just because God is so big. Why did this come about? Because someone took a stand for God. Someone like Esther and like Daniel, and we, we also see Joseph. So many, David, when you take a stand for God in the fear of death, it's always in the fear of death. You see God move. You see God move. You see God move. And that's what in the book of Revelation chapter 12 verse 11. I'll just read. We don't have to go there. About the saints. They overcame him, that is Satan, by the blood of the lamb, by the blood of the lamb, by, by our redemption, by our salvation, by our our right standing with God by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony, by the word of their testimony. There are things you got to say in this hour. By the word of their testimony. And what, what is the third that we tend to drop off? They did not love their lives to the death. They did not fear death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave. Oh, oh, it's been hushed up. It's been hushed up for you and I in Christ. There's no fear of death anymore. We don't shrink back into perdition, but we are bold because why the righteous are as bold as a lion. We roar the truth of God. And that's why the natural lions could not roar against the roar of, of God that came out of Daniel. Let your roar be the louder yet. Let your roar, let your stand for God be audacious today. Have a stand. Be on top of it. Be on top of your understanding of who you are. Allow the word of truth to have dominion and rulership over your thoughts. And then bring every other thought captive. Bring it down. Allow your identity in Christ to have utmost priority. To define your moment. To define your thought and your movement. That's why God moved. That's why King Nebuchadnezzar bowed the knee to God. Because someone dared to be a Daniel. Someone dared to stand up for God. Well, what's the next moment that we see here? In the book of Daniel is the image gets erected by Nebuchadnezzar. And, and they, they say, you, whenever you hear the, the sound of the horn and the flute and the lyre, the lyre and, 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 and sautry and symphony with all kinds of music, you show what? You fall down and you worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And if you don't, you burn alive. If you don't bow down and you worship this gold stature, when the sound comes on, don't you bow the knee to the world system just because there's a sound. That seems pleasant to the world. 
but it's veering off course to bow a knee. Don't you bow the knee to the world. You stand up for your God. Chapter 3, verse 6. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be what? Cast immediately, not in 10 days, so I can write you a little well, immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Oh, you know, I have a family to look after. The Christian thing to do is to take care of your own. So, you know, uh, it's not really a compromise. I'm being very wise. I'm being a good steward. So, okay, here goes the music. Let's bow. No, don't bow the knee. Don't cop out. Don't excuse your infidelity to God. So, verse 7, at that time when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, harp, lyre, symphony with all kinds of music, they made it sound very pretty, all kinds of music. Oh, here's the melody of hell. Let's bow down. Don't you bow down. All kinds of music. It says all the people, nations, look at it, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image. Now we know there were some who did not. But everyone else did. <laughs> there are moments where there's really no example to look at. You just got to stand because you got to stand because you're standing to the audience of one, your king, your, your glorious redeemer. The name that's above all names, Jesus, you stand for that name. At that time, so they all bowed the knee to the gold image. So what happened? What happened? There's all these connivers everywhere. They're spying on everyone. Verse 8, therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans come, came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. They're going to flatter the king now because they have a death sentence on your life. You, O king, have made a decree. It's funny how things just come around, hey? Nothing new under the sun. O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, and goes through all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold, in, gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast where? In the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over your kingdom. Those ones. Those ones. It's jealousy. Over said over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They disregard your king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you've set up. And then Nebuchadnezzar goes in a rage, calls them and says, Is this true? Is this true? Young Hebrew boys. And what do they do? What do they do? In verse 16, I love this, and God showed me something pretty profound here. An emphasis I haven't heard when reading this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this regard, in this matter. If that is the case, and of course the case being uh, Nebuchadnezzar just said, but if you do not worship, you shall be cast into the fire. And so who is the God who deliver you from my hands? Nebuchadnezzar said. And they said, well, we don't have need to answer you on that one. We know our God. 
If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Where is the emphasis here? It is definitely not, but if not God, he would not deliver. The emphasis is regardless of what happens with my life, I'm not bowing the knee to you, I don't. Regardless of what happens in my life, I'm going to be the one that has overcome. What did Revelations 12, uh, 11 say? How did the saints overcome? By what? The blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony will not bow, will not bow. We know our God and they did not love their lives to the death. That's what they were saying. They're not saying God potentially could not be delivered. God's will is God's will for my life. And I know the one part of his will is I don't bow the knee to you, foul spirit. So there's a liberty when you read it that way. There's no doubt and belief. Uh, if I obey God, I don't know if God's going to protect me. That's foolishness. You do right and God would always do right. Only Buchanan, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, even if we do die, <laughs> we're not serving you. What are they saying? I'm willing to die for my God. I am willing to die for my God. That is what they're saying. They're not doubting the power of God. They've already reckoned their lives dead in Christ. Talking about New Testament believer now. And I live to please my heavenly father alone. And that is how we see the hand of God move. That is why we then see a fort in the fiery furnace. Oh, we read these stories like, I can live any time, any way I want to. I, God gets me, God, I can live any. But you know, when I'm in the fire, there's always a fourth man there. Uh-uh. The fourth man is God that you honored before you got in the fire. That you were thrown because you had a, a just stance for God. There's a cost to pay. And the cost to pay is what the, Paul told the Corinthians. You're still standing, but make sure you continue to stand. Continue to abide in his word. So what happens? What happens? Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. The king himself, the government, full of fury. The expression on his face changed to a Shadrach, Michigan, and he no longer considered them allies. He had appointed, he spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace, what? Seven times. Because one time more is not going to kill you. you gotta just make it harder because just to fire first is not good enough. It's going to be like seven times fiery furnace. Fury drives Satan. Do you know what drives Satan into fury when you refuse to bow the knee? You want to drive Satan away from you, don't bow the knee to him. Live a life of non-compromise. Kindri, Amanda, because right now there's a great reckoning happening in God's.
is judging our hearts where we bow the knee when we stand. Everything is laid out before God there and that we'll give an account. And so they heated up the furnace seven times. They bound them up together. Look at that. They bound them up and cast them in the midst of the burning fire furnace. But look at this. Therefore, because the king's command was so urgent, he was so infuriated by them opposing him not to bow the knee to his image. Satan wants to bow to his images. Don't bow to his images. And the furnace exceedingly was hot. The flame of the fire. Look what happened. Killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and the Bendigo. So here's its three Hebrew boys being thrown in the seven times heated fiery furnace. Nothing touches them, but the ones that are checking these three human lives in, the ones that are throwing, they get burned up to singes. What kind of a preservation is in a child of God that refuses to bow, that says, I know God will deliver, but whichever way it goes, I refuse to bow to your foul image. I refuse to compromise the truth of the word of God. I refuse to come in alignment with wickedness today. These, so, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. So suddenly his fury became astonishment. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to the counselors, Did we not cast three men bound, three men bound in the midst of fire? They said, Yes, king, true king. 25, look, he said, I see four. I see four. Glory be to God. Four men loose. No devil can bind you in Christ. No devil can burn you up when you're in Christ. No devil can taunt you at night to make you, make you bow the knee. You have to decide. They were loose. The enemy did his very best to bind them up. Could not. They're walking in the midst of the Father, enjoying the Look how beautiful this is. Look at the orange and the yellow and the red. The Garden of Eden is always before us. Walking in the midst of the fire, and they were not hurt. And the form of the fort is like the Son of God. Verse 27. So Nebuchadnezzar went near, actually verse 26, went near to the mount of the burning fiery furnace and spoke and said, come out, come out, come out. <laughs> Servants of the Most High God, he acknowledged that there is a God in Israel. He acknowledged that there is a God in these three Hebrew boys. Why? Because they refused to compromise the truth. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of fire. And the satrap administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together. And they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. No power. You see, whatever you allow to subdue you will subdue you. But when you stand for God and you bow the knee to God's power, then no worldly power can have you you will in turn subdue it. 
and they saw these three men, fire has no power on them. The hair of the head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. <laughs> oh, I love it. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, bless again, blessed be the God of Shadrach. Well, what did he say right before he threw them in? In verse, verse, chapter three, verse, which one is it? 15. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? And here within the same chapter, a few verses down, he's giving God the glory. Why? Because someone stood and was a witness for God. 28, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Michigan, Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. Look at the qualifier that the king, this worldly king is acknowledging those who trusted in him and God. And look, they frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any God except their own. They did what? Trusted God, frustrated the king's word. This is the king saying it himself. Yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation or language, which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Michigan, and Medico, shall be what? Cut in pieces. Different days back then. And their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other god who can deliver like this. Okay, we have chapter 6. The Lord spoke to me back in November last year at Wake Up. He said, Desi, don't you know that my Daniel always comes out of the lion's den unharmed? Don't you know that my Daniel always comes out of the lion's den unharmed? And when God spoke that to me at that moment, I saw the heart of Daniel, that there was no compromise in his heart. That he was a man that did not engage with a false war. That he was a man that did not quit on God. That he was a man that had integrity before God. And so today, dare to be a Daniel. And this is what we're going to read is six. Let's see. Well, let's start at. So here, this is now King Darius. 6.1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, and over these he put three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel, this Daniel, this non-compromising Daniel, distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because what an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave the king gave thought to settling him over the whole realm, that he be the one on the very top. And so the governors and the satraps, they got jealous, sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find no charge or fault. They found blameless, not just in the sight of God through the blood, but walk a, a life upright before God. These worldly people couldn't find any charge against him because Daniel was faithful. There was no error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it 
recognizes godly character. Against him concerning the law of his God. See, when you're faithful to God, your walk with God keeps you pure in this world. So no one can come and put a finger on you. And the only accusation that they'll have against you is that you serve the living God. And at that moment, you're in God's account, buddy. God's got you. You're known by God because you abide in the love of God. So these governors and satraps thronged. They thronged before the king. They came in multi They thronged before the king and said how eager they were to destroy this godly young man. We know the end of that story. Did it avail anything? No, it actually destroyed them. The pit that they built for Daniel is where they lost their life and the life of their families. So they came thronged before the king, saying, King Darius, live forever. Again, flattery. All the governors of the kingdom and administrators, satraps, and counselors, and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that Whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, whoever prays, asks for wisdom to anyone else except you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions. Now, O king, establish a decree and sign the writing so it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians. And so this is what Daniel did. Sorry, this is what Darius did. But look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. Daniel now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, there was a decree, there was a royal mandate that went out. He did what? Go hide, close all the doors, go behind his chair, coward in prayer. God, God, I'm about to die, God. How am I going to make it for the next three days? I just, I guess I'm going to, I'm checking quickly and I'm checking out. I'll see you in 30 days, God. No, no. He went home in his upper room with his window wide open, wide open toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day, three times, where he knew that, he, oh, how audacious is faith in God. This persuasion of God before me, who, what does it do to a man? It consumes you. It makes you alive unto God. It puts a desire and a passion. I serve God alone. My life is to be an honor towards my king. Oh, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. These men right there, they caught him right there, first day, first day, got him, click, got him, snapshot right there. Caught him praying, making supplication before his God. And so what they do, they run right back thronging the king. Concerning the king's decree, he says, oh, we know one who's disobeyed you, king. And, and so Daniel's the one. Now, of course, that grieved Darius because Darius loved him and uh, Darius tried to get out of it for a full day. But these uh, satraps, these rulers came back and said, oh, don't forget the decree is signed. And so, verse 16, the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. I'm reading it thoroughly because I think sometimes I don't recognize what Daniel and the three Hebrew boys actually did. Because we tend to look at these stories on the side of, God always shows up. 
God, oh, it's, it's, God is so sovereign that, that, it, yeah, he, uh, he always rescued. Yeah, you always will be rescued as you stand and you live life before your king. Make a stand for Christ today. Acknowledge him before man today. 16, the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke saying, this is the kind of a life that Daniel lived before Darius. The Darius recognized the power of Daniel's God. Just by surveying a lifestyle that was pure and consecrated, separated unto God. That from living, from watching Samuel's life, this wise king Darius, he could perceive that there is a God behind that young man that's keeping him. Because that's what he says. The king said to Daniel, the king comforted Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he'll deliver you, boy. He'll deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. And so the king was, of course, greatly disturbed, could not sleep. Next morning, next morning, king goes to Daniel and cries out, Oh, Daniel, did your God save you? Did your God save you, Daniel? He's calling out to Daniel, knowing that he's going to hear something back. Knowing that Daniel would respond. What a confidence from just watching a life that is lived unto God. He says, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually. This is verse, verse what, 20. Whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions. What did Daniel say? Yes, king, oh king, live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the lions' mouth so they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before my God. And also, king, I've done no wrong before you. What happened? The king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. And so Daniel was taken up out of the den. No injury whatever. No injury was found on him because he believed in his God. And so today we believe in our God. We are standing firm and we are holding fast and we are believing on our God and no injury it will be found on us. No harm will come nigh us. And then the king gave a command, those accusers, to cast them in the lion's den. And what happened? That even before they reached the ground, those accusers and their families here in verse, uh, they went of 24. They brought these men who had accused Daniel that they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, their wives, and the lions, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they even hit the floor. Before they even, those were some hungry lions. They had no dinner the night before. Super hungry. Couldn't touch Daniel. Can't touch you. When you take a righteous stand, and we know that the highest accolade of Daniel is his prayer before God in chapter 9 where he discerned the times for his people, the Israelites. 
And he could petition God on behalf of his people, the Israelites. It was like he qualified himself by standing strong, him and his peers, before God. To be able to stand before God for the nation of God. You will be tried in this hour. You will be greatly tested. Because there's a stand that you have to make before God on behalf of your nation today. To recognize the time and the schedule of this word, as, as Daniel did through the reading of Jeremiah. And recognize that was a season. If you go to Daniel 9, I'm going to wrap it up with this one. Daniel 9. Let's do, okay, let's do one. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books, he was found in the book, I understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that, and that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. And so when he recognized the time was up, 70 years was up, then he came before God and repented on behalf of the nation. Repent on behalf of the nation and took responsibility for the sins of the nation. Because says, God, we've disobeyed you. And the curse that was written in the law of Moses fell on us because we did not abide by your word, Lord. <laughs> and so the Lord opens up his sight and gives him a vision of the end times, including the Messiah. Even into this moment that we're in right now, Daniel foresaw it all. And this is what happens to a man and a woman of integrity, to live life before God. I'll finish with two, two New Testament verses here in closing. 1 Corinthians 6, 15, 58. This is New Living Translation. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Never in vain. That which you do unto the Lord is never, ever in vain. Then we go to 2 Timothy. Actually, let's go 1 Timothy chapter 4, first, verse 16. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear, hear you. And then we know 612 is fight the good fight of faith. Before that in verse 11, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. You are a woman of God. You are a man of God. So run from all these evil things, evil things re regarding false teachings, even evil things regarding the love of money, which is the root of all evil. Stay away from these evil things. Pursue righteousness and godly life along with faith and love, perseverance and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. And then we finish with, 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching. Hold on to the word that you have learned from me. A pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us carefully, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you today. Guard. 
so you might live a life that is above, that will keep you on top of all circumstances, so you stay above all. In the name of Jesus, amen. We're done. Woohoo! Done. Done.